Hey, faithful listener, grab your cup of coffee and experience the Bible in a way you never have before. P40 Ministries is a podcast that goes through the Bible cover to cover. It's an awesome narrative that focuses your mind and prepares your heart for God to speak. So join your host, Jen, for a biblical podcast that's hilarious, informative, imaginative, and fun. The P40 Ministries podcast. Listen now as we go through the book of Leviticus. Hello and good morning, faithful listeners. You've tuned into the P40 Ministries podcast. And hi, I'm Jen here. And you know what? I am recording this while being snowed in. That's right. I've been snowed in for the past uh, couple days. (laughs) When I measured my yard initially after the first snowstorm uh, that we got a couple days ago, it was 24 inches, and we did get a little bit more snow after that as well. So yeah, I don't know what the end total was, but I heard it got pretty bad. <laughs> but that's all right. I, I do enjoy watching the snow fall. And since I didn't have any place to be over the past couple days because I work remotely, it ended up being okay for me. But I truly do feel for um for people like my husband that had to go out and drive in the snow. So, but you know what? Let's go ahead and talk about Leviticus chapter six today, verses one through seven. And today I'm actually going to be switching over to a different version of the Bible. I'm going to be switching to the AMP version or the amplified version of the Bible, because I really like the way the amplified words it. And I think we have a few things that we can talk about today, just in these seven verses. So let's go ahead and see what the Bible has to say. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, When anyone sins and acts unfaithfully against the Lord by deceiving his neighbor, companion, or associate in regard to a deposit or a security entrusted to him, or through robbery, or if he is extorted from his neighbor, or has found what was lost and lied about it and sworn falsely, so that he sins in regard to any one of the things that a man may do. Then if he has sinned and is guilty, he shall restore what he took by robbery, or what he got by extortion, or the deposit which was entrusted to him, or the lost thing which he found, or anything about which he has sworn falsely. And he shall not only restore it in full, but shall add to it one-fifth more. He shall give it to the one whom it belongs on the day of his guilt offering. Then he shall bring to the priest his guilt offering to the Lord, a ram without blemish from the flock, as valued by you, as a guilt offering. The priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord, and he will be forgiven for any one of the things which he may have done to incur guilt. So the first thing I noticed uh, finishing up here in Leviticus 6 is that there's no prisons in the law. I've only read the law a handful of times, but I don't remember... God like putting a prison system in place, but he does put the court system in place. And the reason I noticed that is because uh, embezzlement in America is um, is something that people get sent to prison for. When I saw the word here, extortion or embezzlement, I kind of thought, oh, prison. But no, there's no prison system put in place here. All the person has to do is uh, pay back what he took when he embezzled 
and also do the sacrifice and he will be forgiven. But we'll talk more about that in a minute. But yeah, that was one of the first things I noticed is that there's no prison system, uh, you know, set up in the book of Leviticus. Now, the other thing I noticed here is that God is taking measures to protect people's private property. And I think that's important to note because we've seen that also in Exodus that God appreciates people's private property. But it does say in the Bible that um, everything that God gives us is actually his. And we're kind of just uh, holding on to it. We're kind of like these people that it, God's talking about in Leviticus 6, like the people that have had something entrusted to them. And so God appreciates the value of private property because God gave everything to each individual person. But, you know, just because God gave it to people, it doesn't mean that another person who doesn't have that stuff should be allowed to go and steal it. And God says that that's a sin. It's a sin for somebody to come and steal other people's property. And many of these sins mentioned here in Leviticus 6, in the first portion of it, are talking about stealing through trickery almost, embezzlement, extortion, uh, you know, robbery, or um, somebody finding something that belongs to their neighbor, but lying that they didn't find it so that they can keep it. All of these things are sins through trickery, and God does not appreciate that. But we also see in Exodus, when we talked about that, God does not appreciate people who just blatantly come out and steal stuff either, because it says that the person that enters the house of another person to steal their stuff is certainly going to be punished, and that robber would have to pay back what he took in full, and then some, so I think it was like 15 percent more than what he took as well. So he'd have to restore it in full and then add on 15%. Or he'd have to become the servant of somebody that is willing to pay his debt for him. And then he would have to uh, work under that guy that paid his debt until his debt is fully paid back, if that makes sense. So that's kind of the stipulation for somebody that steals. And kind of the same thing here, I would guess, is if these people are like stealing through trickery, it's probably the same rule. You know, they have to pay it back in full and also add on to it a fifth more, or like 20%, I think is what that would be. So I'm sorry, not 15%, a 20%. So they have to pay it back in full and add on 20%. But if they couldn't do that, these people who embezzled through trickery or extorted or whatever else, they might have to become servants themselves because that is the punishment for this sin. But if they do become a servant and someone is willing to take them as a servant and pay that debt back for them, as long as this man who did this brings the ram as a guilt offering then uh, this man would be forgiven, is what it says. God is going to forgive this person who robbed all this stuff, you know, and he's going to forgive him. And that was kind of where I, f I found it interesting that there is no jail system put in place. It's just a complete and total justness where a person doesn't have to like rot in jail. But, you know, the last thing I noticed here is... <laughs> 
there's two different offerings here that I didn't even mention. So once again, I'm going to go over the offerings one more time, and it's honestly for my own benefit as well. So the first offering is the burnt offering. The burnt offering represented complete and total commitment to God. Nothing from the burnt offering was supposed to be eaten. It was completely given to God, and this was an act of dedication to God. The second offering was a grain offering, and that would be an offering of thanksgiving for the abundance that God uh, gave those people and the poorest person could bring a grain offering and the grain offering could be eaten but some of it would be burned to show commitment to God and then the third offering that we talked about was uh, the peace offering and the peace offering was also a sacrificial offering you know that person was offering this gift to God to almost remain in a state of peace with God and this was also an offering that was completely voluntary and uh, would demonstrate the peace God's, God has with people. But this offering, only part of the animal had to be sacrificed. The rest could be eaten in enjoyment of this peace that God gave the people. Now, the last offering we talked about here was the sin offering. And the sin offering was a mandatory offering that someone had to bring if they committed a sin. Now, this next offering we see here is the guilt offering. And we actually did talk mildly about the guilt offering the other day, but I didn't specify the difference between the guilt offering and the sin offering. I don't even know if I mentioned them as two different offerings, actually. So I'm sorry about that in the last episode. But the guilt offering and the sin offering are two different offerings as well. Now, the thing is, though, I can't determine the difference between the two. <laughs> and in fact, no one can. I was trying to look this up online. Like, what's the difference between a sin offering and a guilt offering? And no one knows. So many people have a ton of different theories about what the difference between the two offerings were. But most people I noticed were saying that they were actually the same offering, just with two different names. But to me, that doesn't make a complete amount of sense, because if you jump down in Leviticus 6 to verse 17, it says that uh, the grain offering is most holy, like the sin offering and the guilt offering. So I have a hard time believing that it's the same exact offering, because God distinguishes them as two different kinds of offerings right here in Leviticus 6, verse 17, when he says the sin offering and the guilt offering. But the thing is, we're not exactly sure what the difference is between the two offerings, other than the fact that the sin offering was brought for unintentional sins, is what we saw it mostly in for Leviticus 4. But the guilt offering was brought for both unintentional sins and completely intentional sins. That's literally the only difference between the two. So honestly, I don't know. I'm not sure what the difference is between these two offerings, but they are specified as different kinds of offerings in the Levitical law. But also the other thing that's interesting about these two offerings is the fact that they're not done any differently. <laughs> so for the sin offering, you bring the animal and it's sacrificed, and that's kind of the end of it. Same with the guilt offering. They're not done any differently. So even though it's kind of confusing the difference between 
these two offerings, the way they're done is primarily the same, if not exactly the same from what I am reading here. And in my research, I didn't notice much of a difference between how they are done. So I kind of just wonder if God distinguished them differently or something or I don't know. I, I truly don't know the answer to that one. So I'm sorry, guys. And, you know, there's so many people that have so many different speculations on it. Some people are like, oh, well, the sin offering talks about the sins of the heart and the guilt offering talks about, uh, you know, sins of the flesh or something like that. I, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I truly have no clue. There are some things in the Bible we're just never going to know. And for me personally, I think one of those things is the difference between a sin offering and a guilt offering. <laughs> so you'll hear me uh, and the Bible throughout Leviticus like interchange the two offerings. And if I have more information on them later on, I'll let you guys know. But for now, I truly don't know the difference between a sin offering and a guilt offering. But yeah, to conclude here in Leviticus 6, basically this entire little blip here is just talking about robbers. And the one thing I want to leave you guys with is Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verse 28, which says, let he who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor working with his hands in what is good, that he may have something to give him who is in need. So when Paul wrote this verse in Ephesians, he's telling the robbers like look there is still hope for you you know just if you have come to Christ don't steal any longer don't embezzle and uh you know one of the biggest ways that people were stealing back in um back in Paul's day and age I would say were the tax collectors so I don't know if this is exactly Paul talking specifically to tax collectors or not but you know, Paul is just calling people who used to live in a certain way to just not live in that way anymore and to fully have Christ in them to the point where they do good work. Rather than stealing with their hands, they do work to give to the needy, to help people, to heal people even. I don't know, but yeah, I just wanted to leave you guys with that little message that Paul often tells us in Leviticus and even first and second Corinthians for us to change the ways that we used to live because now we live in a new way and the new way doesn't take from people but it gives to people because that is what the gospel and the Bible are all about. It's about giving to people. It's about serving other people and loving other people and uh, giving them more of Jesus. That is what the Bible is all about and unfortunately uh, as Christians and I know I don't do this enough we don't want to do that stuff. <laughs> We'd rather take from other people what they can give us and what we can get from them rather than us giving our, of ourselves to help somebody else. It, it is very hard. I have to admit that. <laughs> it is very hard to put ourselves uh, lower than other people. But I kind of think that um, that's what much of the Bible is about, if not most of it, is just putting ourselves below other people and finding ways that we can help other people by giving them the gospel and the truth. 
Well, guys, thanks so much for tuning into this episode this morning. I hope you're enjoying the book of Leviticus. But, you know, join me tomorrow because we're going to be discussing Mark. And we are almost done with Mark. So we're going to move into the Gospel of Luke. And that should be very exciting. So join me tomorrow, 6 a.m. or whenever you wake up for an episode out of Mark. Friends and faithful listeners, thanks for tuning in. Happy listening and God bless. <laughs>